to 15. Listen now to the word of the Lord. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called you, you did not answer, Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> excuse me. <laughs> I had a tough class this morning with the confirmation kids. <clears throat> let's let's pray together. Lord, we um, we're thankful again uh, for this day that you have made, and to be able to gather, and to hear your word, and to share words of thanksgiving. We ask now that in the hearing of your word. Uh, you would reveal yourself to us so that we may grow in love for you and love for your people. We thank you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Oh, thank you. Um. <clears throat> 
So we continue with our uh, walk through the narrative lectionary, and we are now toward the end, we're coming toward the end of the history of Israel before they are taken away into exile. Our reading today is from the uh, prophet Jeremiah. He's one of the southern prophets uh, right before the time of exile. And the reading today is one of his earlier sermons known as the Temple Sermon because uh, he's called to preach in front of the gates of the temple. Based on a similar sermon in Jeremiah 26, scholars date this sermon to the year roughly 608 BCE, uh, which would make it about 20 years before the fall of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is going to fall, um, and so he's trying to warn the people uh, against this disaster that is looming. The people are coming to the temple to worship and to sacrifice. And so the word of the Lord from Jeremiah must have been at least a little surprising because the people thought they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Jeremiah says to them, this is the word of the Lord. Amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. God's word calls for repentance as a as a um, <clears throat> as a condition for their continual habitation of the land. It's also possible, however, to translate this as the NRSV has done, not that I will let you dwell in this place, but as I will dwell with you in this place. In other words, God's very continued presence is contingent upon their repentance and the amendment of their ways, which I think is more in line with what the rest of the, the passage suggests, that it's not just about I'll let you stay here in this place, but God's very presence, his abiding with them is threatened by their continued disobedience. So the problem is clearly here, not that the people are not showing up for worship. They're there. They're in the right place. But their lives are not aligned with the values of the God whom they claim to worship and follow. God explains that, you know, you show up for worship, but you are not following my ways. You are not supposed to oppress the weak and the vulnerable. You are not supposed to shed innocent blood. You are not supposed to go after all these idols. And God says he himself has seen what they've been doing, how they have broken his commandments, stealing, murdering, adultery, lying, and the worship of idols. And then they come into the temple and they say, we are delivered, as if the temple will somehow cleanse them or forgive or forget all about their sins and their ways of living. They have turned the house of the Lord as into a den of robbers, into a cave of criminals. And Jesus will quote from this verse when he himself will be appalled by what's going on in the temple with the money changers. The people think that God's presence must be in this space, in this temple, that God is somehow obligated to stay here. This is the temple of the Lord, so God must be here. God delivered Jerusalem earlier in the time of King Hezekiah from the Assyrians, which we heard about last week. And so the people wrongly assume that God must continue to protect Jerusalem. 
God must be here. God cannot be anywhere else. God must protect the temple and those in it, regardless of what we do or fail to do. They think they can simply declare, this is the temple of the Lord, and be safe. Because the temple is where God has to be, and therefore, it's going to be indestructible. The people have conveniently forgotten that the covenant that they have made with God requires them to follow God's ways, to follow God's words. And God reminds them of the conditions of, the of this covenant. If you truly amend your ways, if you truly execute justice, if you do not oppress the weak, if you do not go after other idols, if you do these things, then I will let you dwell in this place. Then my presence will be with you. This is the same message that is preached by all the prophets. Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Zechariah 7, 9, thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the orphan, the alien, or the poor. And do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. Isaiah 1, 16, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Again and again, the message of the prophets are the same. It's not just a matter of showing up to temple but it's about how we treat one another in justice and in defending the weak. You cannot separate the worship of God and your witness to your neighbors. The problem was not Sabbath worship. The problem was that how they treated one another the rest of the week. They thought that the fact that they showed up to the temple was good enough. But you know the saying, being in a church no more makes you a Christian than standing in a barn makes you a horse. It's not enough. It's not enough. Simply being at church does not make you right with God. Now, to be clear, it's not that not showing up is okay. <laughs> and it's not that kindness will somehow merit salvation, but that such actions are to flow from those who have been rescued, from those who have come to acknowledge and to understand the saving acts of God. It's a warning that God's presence will not, cannot abide with the people whose lives are characterized by sin. God is holy. God is holy and he cannot abide in sin. So it is an invitation here for us to take our faith more seriously, to take more seriously the faith that we profess, to have consistency throughout the week, to rid ourselves of the hypocrisy of worshiping the God of love and peace and justice on Sundays, 
and then spewing hatred, anger, and violence, and bigotry on Mondays at work and at school and at home. When we do that, God says, you have abandoned your trust in me and you have replaced that with a trust in the rituals of the temple. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord has become this kind of mantra, this superstition to ward off evil and their deeds. You know, in literature I learned this week that the repetition of a word for emphasis is called epizuxis. Epizuxis. In the Bible, for example, Jesus will say, truly, truly, when he's about to say something that's really important. Although, you know, pretty much everything he said was kind of important, right? But that's a way to say this. Pay special attention to this. He will sometimes call someone, uh, you know, Simon, Simon, or Mary, Mary, to, to really just get their attention. So, it's, so this uh, epizuxis, this repetition is a way of like, hey, Pay attention. This repetition is not uncommon in the scriptures. But a triple repetition is extremely rare. I can only find five occurrences where this happens. Right? And the most familiar one to us is um, from Isaiah and Revelation, where the, the angels say, holy, holy, holy. God's, God's holiness is so important. It's not just holy, holy. It's holy, holy, holy. Three times. If a doublet is kind of like an exclamation point, a triplet is kind of like bold, red, all caps with fire emojis. I mean, this is like, this is really, really important. It tells us that the people have really placed their entire trust in the temple, right? The temple, the temple, the temple. Everything for them is on the temple. And ironically, the God who is in the temple has been excluded. It's the temple, not the God in the temple, it's the temple. It is a misplaced confidence, a misplaced confidence in the gifts of God rather than in God himself. Now, I know that we don't place our confidence in the temple or in a church building probably, but we do this same thing in other ways. For example, we pray together every Sunday the Lord's Prayer, right? And when we pray, we ask God, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That's a good prayer. Give us this day our daily, pre uh, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. But do we really trust God to do that? Or is it just a ritual, like it's just words that we say? My wife will often remind you, say it slower, say it slower. Think about the words you're saying. Do we really look to God for our daily bread? Do we really look to God for our morning cereal? Don't we trust our credit cards and Costco more 
for our daily bread. We cry out, Costco, Costco, Costco. For my bread, right? For my family, rather than thinking and trusting God and working toward a way of life so that all may be full. For our bread, our share bread, for all of us. It's easy to misplace our trust away from God and toward what God has given us. In our daily living, most of us trust our strength, our intelligence, our networks, our refrigerators, and our bank accounts rather than really trusting God. We may start with thanksgiving knowing that God is the ultimate source of all the good in our lives and that all is gift. But we are prone to wander and God is ever calling us back. It's not the temple, it's the Lord. And God has to remind us again and again. And to this people he says, remember Shiloh. Remember Shiloh. Shiloh may not mean a whole lot to some of us, but to the people of Israel, it was really, really important. Shiloh was the center, was the place where worship took place for hundreds of years before the temple was built in Jerusalem. From the time when Joshua led the people into the promised land, that's where they worship. That's where the tabernacle was set up. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. Shiloh was synonymous with the, with the worship of God. And God says, do you remember what happened to Shiloh? People thought this is where God is, but it's no longer there. It may have been the center of the religious life together, but it's gone. And God is reminding them, it's not a place. I am not stuck to a place or to a temple or a tabernacle or an ark or anything else. It's about me, he says, and it's about getting your lives in alignment, not about ritual and being in a particular place. Remember, remember Shiloh and get your theology straight. Remember Shiloh and amend your ways. Remember Shiloh and know that it is God's presence that matters, not the location of the temple or the church. Remember Shiloh and place your confidence in God and in God alone. And so that's what we're going to do today. We will remember together and remind each other. We will help each other to remember because we so easily forget. We need each other to remember. You know, this month, for example, I was so thankful that I'm surrounded by people who help me to remember, to support our missionary partners, for example, in Kenya uh, and in the DR, um, with a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, we were able to do that this, this month. I'm thankful for the youth group uh, who took charge to collect cans of food uh, as we do um, every November to, to remember those who are struggling with food insecurity. 
right? So, so I'm thankful that there are people around me to help me remember so that my prayers for our daily bread is more in alignment with my prayers so that my life, my shared life with all of you is more consistent, is more obedient and not just words that I say ritualistically. I'm thankful that you remind me to match my worship with my witness. And so we want to take this opportunity together today, this Thanksgiving Sunday, to remember together. Like Shiloh, we will remember when and how God has been present in our lives. We will remember the good that he has done for us, but more importantly, in remembering the good that God has done for us, we want to remember the goodness of God. Not just the good that we have received, but the goodness of God himself. And so we're going to do that together today. Let's remember here and let's encourage one another and let us together remember the goodness of God. Let's remember together the goodness of God. Let's remember the goodness of God. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this day, for your word, and the opportunity we have today to remember. Help us in our sharing, in the hearing of your word as it is proclaimed by testimony to give you thanks and to give you praise. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.